God, we thank you that we can trust you always, that you will always make a way, no matter how it feels to us, no matter how it looks to us. God, you are sovereign. You are the God of the miraculous, that you can do extraordinary things that that just increase our faith. And God, we know that having trusted you in the past, that we can trust you for our future as well, that our eternity is secure in you because you promised that to us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that as we offer our gift of praise and worship to you this morning, God, that that changes the spiritual atmosphere here. Over this church, the spiritual atmosphere is changed, that you are pushing back the borders of darkness over, over us, over Sale, over Yarram, over wherever people are, bringing their praise and worship to you this morning, that as we sing your promises, God, that you are changing things. God, we thank you that we can stand in front of you this morning as your precious children, that when you look at us, you just see Jesus. And God, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to church this morning. Take a seat for a moment. Welcome if you're joining us online. It's great to have you joining with us. If, if you can just say hi in the chat or um, if everyone can be checking in on Church Centre app, that would be great as well. But if you're watching in any of the forms of online, if you can just say hi in the chat, we'll know you're there. That's great. Um, special welcome if it's your first time this morning. We'd love to get to know you over a cup of tea or coffee. So take a right as you leave the worship centre and we will meet you in the hall. Um, that would be great. Uh, there is no kids on this morning. Uh, we have creche on, but as it's school holidays, um, the kids' ministry is taking a little holiday too. Um, for any kids that are a bit restless or need something to do, we've got um, some activity sheets up in the back corner there, so you can make your way over there. Grab one, take it back to your seat, or you can sit up there if, if you prefer kids. Or if your parents prefer, you can sit up there. Um, um, while I'm talking to you, you can be filling out um, a Connect card or a Next Steps card on the Church Centre app. You can do that also any time during the week. So if you're sitting there and a thought occurs to you, jump on Church Centre and send us a message. That would be brilliant. Um, okay, so while I'm talking to you also, we can be sending the offering buckets around because you people can do two things at one time. So you can listen and put your offering in the bucket at the same time. I know you can. Um, all right, so a couple of things to highlight for the, um, I don't know what's happening, but anyway, uh, a couple of things from the news center to highlight. Um, the young adults are going bowling next Saturday night, so that sounds like a whole lot of fun. I think, I mean, young, young is kind of a state of mind, I think. I don't think you can kind of corral that in years, so um, anyway... Morewell, 7pm. All the details are on the Church Centre app for how to sign up for that. Um, so either do that or speak to uh, Pastor Lauren uh, for all the details. It's also in the newsletter, of course. Um, now, you people probably were thinking that if nobody signed up for Alpha, that Jack would stop talking about it. And I can't tell you how wrong you are because it just makes me want to talk about it more. Um, so... Um, because I know you really wanted to sign up or get your friends to sign up, we've extended the start date to um, the 10th of July, which is the last Sunday of the school holidays. Um, and I just want to tell you a quick little Alpha story, just to kind of get you excited, because I know you want to be excited about Alpha, like me. Um, so this is one of the, the um, 
stories that comes out of Alpha from Nicky Gumbel, the Alpha guy. Um, and it's from decades ago when he was just a lowly vicar and um, he was called to the hospital to pray for a little baby who'd had surgery that had not gone well and this little baby was on life support and they were saying there is no hope for this baby. It's, you know, he, he has to have it turned off. And the, the mum wouldn't allow that. She just uh, said... She was not a person of faith at all, but she said, um, you're not doing that until somebody has prayed for him. Uh, and so Nikki was called to the hospital to meet this family, never met them before, and to pray for what seemed like a terrible situation. Um, so he did that. Um, he didn't have a lot of faith that, that things would come right. But um, anyway, so he goes back to the hospital the next day and he's greeted by the mother running towards him saying, you know, it's been a miracle, like a miracle has happened. The tubes are all out. It's all, you know, he's off life support and, and this miracle has happened. And so that's brilliant, but that's not the point of the story to me. Family goes on and becomes Christians, like nearly all of them become Christians, but actually that's not the point of the story to me either. It's the fact that she wanted there to be something. She didn't believe at all. She had no faith background. She didn't believe that there even was a God. But she wanted there to be a God so badly that she would not let her baby die until somebody had prayed for him. And I just want to encourage you that the people in your life, the people in your circles, want there to be something. They may not believe it at all. They may have had no shred of anything to stand on that makes them believe that God might be true but they want it so if you have conversations with your people in your life in your circle they're already leaning in that they're not negative most of them they want there to be something so badly and if you give them that little a little entry point give them a little doorway in that just believe that they might take it um so anyway that was the point of the story to me I mean it's good that the baby lived um <laughs> And he's still, like, you know, decades later, that, that kid's still alive. So, anyway, um, welcome to the inner workings of my mind. Uh, what we're going to do, we are going to stand and pray. And then you can have, you know, we used to call it the minute mingle, but then it became five minutes, so that was awkward. Um, we're going to call it maybe the Fellowship Five. How do you think, you know, does that, is, are you warm to that? They don't care. Actually, anyway, so let's stand and we'll pray together. Remember to be thinking about who's in your world that might benefit from, from doing an Alpha course. All right, let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for being the God that is there, the God that is real. God, we know that you are real for us, that we, we stake everything on you. We are all in. And God, I pray uh, this morning that as we continue this service of praise and worship to you, God, as we, we hear from your word this morning, God, that you will be continuing to draw us just that tiny bit closer to you, maybe a big bit closer to you this morning. God, help us to get a real sense of uh, the fact that we are on your team. We are the team that you are choosing to use um, in this context to affirm your purposes in the lives of those around us. So God, I pray that, that you give us that, that real vision for, for the plan that you have for the people in our life, the people that we are doing our life with, the people that we're witnessing to, the people that we are just um, bumping shoulders with. 
God, help us to reflect you well to them. Help us to help us to be bold and courageous. Help us to talk about you more. Help us to to be your hands and your feet taking your message into a world that needs to know you so badly. God, we thank you for the way that you love us. We thank you uh, that you are with us today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Fellowship 5, Mingle. Lord God, we thank you that you are a miracle-working God. God, when we can't see a way out, you know the end. God, you are the source of light, the source of hope, the source of life, of everything we need. God, I pray this morning that we might know your miracle-working power in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our community. God, that any dark place, your light might shine brightly. And God, it might shine brightly through us. God, we thank you that your spirit is here, moving in this place, filling our hearts with gratitude, with faith, with everything we need to follow after you and to serve you and to love you. God, we pray that you would have your way in this place. We pray that you would start in our own hearts this morning. God, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, please grab a seat. Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. Isn't it great to have all the kids in the service? I know they're being very quiet, but kids, good morning. Can you give me a... uh, a wave, a very quiet wave, kids, and just like the biggest, quietest wave you could ever do. That's pretty quiet, yeah. That's impressive. That's impressive. It's so good to have kids in the service, and if there are kids around you and they're chatting away and being a ruckus, just smile at them. Don't ever turn to a kid and give them a frown and just like that, like... Encourage them. Encourage them with your face. You know, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians and it talks about the countenance or the, the look of the, the face of Jesus. And when, he, when we see the countenance of Jesus, we're changed from glory to glory. It's like there's love beaming from his face, even in the midst of our sin and our wrongdoing. And so no matter what the kids are doing around, let's reflect the countenance of Jesus to the young people around us. Let's show them his love, his goodness. It's good. And we've got kids leaders that are on a break um, for the next three weeks. And you might think, oh, I wish they would run kids every Sunday. Well, we could run kids every Sunday if we had a big enough team to rotate leaders through. Is that right, Pastor Steve? Yes. Yes. So, I mean, it's your own fault. <laughs> it's basically what I'm saying. No, I'm joking. It's, I love having the kids in the service. And um, if you were here last week or the week before... I talked about the importance of kids being in the service and why we do what we do. And if you missed that, go back, check that out. I think it was two weeks ago, was it? Two weeks ago, yeah. We talked about praying and public praying people. Yeah, anyway, it's good. Kids, we love having you in the service. We love having you a part of our church. I hope you're drawing nice pictures of me. Or whatever you're doing. No, it's good. Hey, also in the foyer this week, we've got these new... 
um, invite cards. I don't know if you've ever wanted to invite someone to church or let people know about church, but you weren't sure exactly how to do it. This is just a, a physical way um, or a physical tool. I'm not sure what the right word is here. Source, thing, thingamajiggy. I think that's the technical term I was looking for. Uh, to take, maybe put it in your neighbor's letterbox, you've been talking to them about church, or um, if, you wanna, if you've got someone that you work with and you say, I'd love you to check out church. It's got our church online details, um, how people can connect in with church. They are just, as you walk out, they're going to hopefully be there every Sunday unless you take all of them this week. Uh, each Sunday as you walk out the foyer to go to your cards, there's going to be these invite cards there that you could just take and, and give to someone. So they're not for you to take. Hopefully you know when you're, I mean, you're here. So you know how it's just got service times, locations, um, just like an invitation to come check out church. So take that, make use of it. Um, like Pastor Jackie was saying, some people just need that invitation, a personal invitation of, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you check out church? I think it would be good. All right. Elijah. Elijah, week six, the finale. We are here, we've made it, well done. And we're going to read from 1 Kings 19. I'm just going to read three verses. Um, the end of Elijah's story goes for um, into 2 Kings as well, and, but, and we'll read some of, some of that uh, a bit later on, but I'm just going to set it up with three verses um, in 1 Kings 19, verses 19 to 21. It says this, Elijah left there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, as he was ploughing. Twelve teams of oxen were in front of him, and he was with the twelfth team. Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. Elijah left the oxen, ran to follow Elijah, and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I'll follow you. Go on back, he replied, for what have I done to you? So he turned back from following him, took the team of oxen, and slaughtered them. And with the oxen's wooden yoke and plough, he cooked the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he left, followed Elijah, and served him. Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning, and God, we thank you for Elijah's life and the lessons that we can learn from it, the inspiration that he is to us, even today. God, we pray that you might teach us your truth and transform our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you've ever thought about your legacy I know it's a, maybe it could be a morbid thing to think about, um, but we're all, if you haven't cottoned on to this yet, we're, our lives are going to end at some point here on this earth, and we all have the opportunity or the chance to leave some sort of legacy, um, and maybe you've thought about it, maybe you haven't. Often, legacy is talked about in um, famous people um, or sports people, they leave some sort of legacy behind of... Uh, the way they changed the game or changed politics or changed entertainment or, or whatever they did. But I wonder if you've ever thought about what your legacy might be in your life. What impact you might leave behind on the world around you, on the people around you. You know, Elijah was someone who, who left a legacy, whose impact is still felt today. But specifically, it was felt in Elisha's life, um, in the sense that he took Elijah, if you, for want of a better term, and mentored him along the journey and left uh, an impact, a lasting impact 
on those closest to him? What impact do you want to have on the world around you? For me, and I was hesitant to share this because I don't want this to, you know, preachers can often share stories about themselves and talk about themselves and then it's, it's not the point. But I wanted to share this as an example of, this is something that I've thought about in my own personal life, what kind of legacy I want to leave behind or what kind of person I want to be and what my, I want my influence to be in this world. And um, a number of years ago, um, I wrote a personal vision statement and you might think, well, that's a bit weird, Brad. And it is a bit weird, I understand, and that's what you get. I'm your senior pastor, I'm a bit weird. Um, welcome to Star Baptist Church. It's great to have you here. Um, but I wrote this personal vision statement because I wanted to articulate and really think about what kind of person do I want to be? And what do I want to do with my life? I mean, there's a hundred things we could do and there's a hundred focuses we could have in our life, but what's God called me to be? Who's God revealed himself to me to be? And then who's he calling me to be as a, as a person? You know, when uh, Lauren preached a few weeks ago, she talked about the idea of um, Elijah knowing who God was and that, was, that, that changed the way he lived. You know, I think when we think about a personal vision statement, it could become a very um, secular or non-Christian thing to think about. But I, th- I want us to think about in who is God and, and therefore who am I? And what am I called to? So I'm going to share with you my personal vision statement. And it's very personal to me. And you might not agree with it. It might not be your personal vision statement. And good. It's not supposed to be. Uh, It's mine. But I want to share it as a way of to encourage you to think about what kind of impact and legacy you might want to be. And then we'll get to the scripture. All right. So this is still my introduction. All right. I'm going to put it on the screen so you can see it. So it starts with who God is. It says, God, perfect father and husband of his church has called me to that same image, to be a loving and faithful in my family, and to lead with grace and integrity, to raise my family to be influencers and be released into God's perfect plan for their life. And God, full of grace and completely limitless, has me as a son, made in that same image, to grow in passion for him, to lead people and equip them to make first-generation disciples who change family lines and generations. This is important for me because it helps me think about what am I going to do with my life? What decisions am I going to make? When you've got somewhere in mind or or you know who God's calling you to be, it helps direct and and helps you make decisions along the way of what you will do and what you won't do. Because there's a hundred opportunities every day to do different things. But when you've got a center, uh, this is where God's calling me, it helps you align your decisions with those. So anyway, if that's helpful, that's good. If not, disregard, start from here, um, from the, the passage in the Bible. Good. I'm glad. Elijah, um, let's look at verse 19. It says this, Elijah left there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, as he was playing. Twelve teams of oxen were in front of him, and he was left with a twelfth um, team. Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. So I want to talk a little bit about Elisha this morning. And then we'll get to Elijah. So I know this is a series on Elijah and we're sort of, I know it's confusing. There's two people, Elijah, Elisha, very similar names. They come after each other. God's, you know, I don't know if he's trying to trick us or, or what he's trying to do here. But anyway, it's just the way it was. So Elisha, his call, uh, it's important to understand because it helps us understand Elijah as well. So Elisha, it seems, is from um, a wealthy family. It talks about these 12 teams of oxen. 
And so when Elijah rocks up to, to meet with Elisha and says, come, um, you know, there's a call on your life or whatever that conversation was like, I'm, we just got a paraphrase sort of snippet of, of what that was like. Um, Elisha had to understand the, the financial cost or the, the surrender and the cost to his security and his comfort that was about to take place. It wasn't like Elijah was wandering around the desert going, I've got nothing to live for, and so I'll take any opportunity. There was a sense that he was already wealthy, there was already something in his life that was going well, and Elijah comes, throws the mantle, which was a, a, a sign of like, I want you to, to be a prophet. This is a, a symbolic gesture of you coming in and doing the work of God. So Elijah is from a wealthy family, Let's just make a mental note of that. The second thing I want you to notice is that Elijah was at work. Elijah wasn't sitting down, idle, sort of going, just waiting for God to give me something to do. I'm waiting for God to tell me what to do with my life. No, Elisha was in the middle of doing the work that he could do and that he should do, the right thing for him to do in the season of his life that he was in. Waiting on a call of God or understanding what God's call for your life is doesn't mean be idle in what you're doing now. It doesn't mean sit down and just wait. It means, what's the opportunity God's got now? I'm going to do that. And and as I'm doing that, I'm I'm going to be having my eyes open of of seeing, God, what are you doing? Where Where am I called to? What is to be done? Elisha was doing what was to be done. He wasn't letting the waiting of the call disrupt his need to be productive now. And you might be wondering, what has God for you next? I want you to, to encourage you be, to be found serving, be found working, be found doing what you can and should be doing in this season of your life. God has a habit of calling those that are at work. Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. David was tending the sheep for his father. Peter was a fisherman. All the disciples were at work when Jesus called them. Paul had a trade-making tent. Jesus himself was a carpenter by trade who was trained by Joseph. God is interested in every part of our life, not just the spiritual part of it. He wants all of us, and he wants us to surrender all of us to him. So Elijah is there. He's part of a, perhaps a wealthy family. He's at work. Elijah comes, puts the cloak over him. And so this is Elisha's response. Let's have a quick look at this. It says, Elisha left the oxen, ran to follow Elijah, and said, please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I'll go... And then I'll follow you. Go on back, he replied, for what have I done to you? It's like, why should, you know, basically, why would I stop you doing that? You know, I'm not, I'm not a terrible person. Um, so he turned back from him, took the team of oxen, slaughtered them with the oxen's wooden yoke and plow. He cooked the meat, gave it to the people. They ate, they left. Then he left, followed Elijah and served him. Let's notice a qu- quickly a, a couple of things about Elisha's response to the call that Elijah gives, or that God gives through Elijah, I should say. His response was immediate. There was no hesitation. It wasn't like Elisha said, you know what, I hear what you're saying, Elijah, I'm just going to take a season of discernment. I just really want to weigh up my options. It was like, no, I I know this is God's calling, so this, I'm going, I'm doing it. I'm not going to wait. There wasn't a scene of weighing up the costs and benefit. This was a decisive action. Sometimes when we know what God's calling us to do, we put it put it off for a whole lot of different reasons. We justify our, our delay. Say, oh, it's just, just not the right season. I'm just busy. Kids aren't old enough. They're too old. 
whatever, the house is too messy, it's too clean, car's getting serviced, whatever, I'm hungry, whatever the reason is, and we put these delays in place. And instead we should say, you know what, I know God's calling me to this, I don't know why now, but I'm going. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to talk to that person. I'm going to start this ministry. Whatever it is. Elijah um, wasn't going to stick around. Elijah comes, he puts his cloak over and then Elijah's off. He's like, if you want to calm down, I'm, I'm not going to sit around and wait for you to work out if this is the right time for you. The opportunity was then and there. In verse 19, it says, Elijah walks by him. It's like, whoop, there's Elijah. Whew. Come on, all right, I'm going to say goodbye. All right, come on, hurry up. Go do it. And he goes. Elijah was on the move. And if you want to come follow, now is the time. God is on the move. When, I don't know about you, but when I read this passage, it reminded me of something that Jesus said in Luke 9. And, you, and it might have twigged something in, in your memory as well. If you know this story in Luke 9, it says, As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I'll follow wherever you go. And Jesus told him, Foxes have dens and birds have sky, and the birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. And Lord, he said, First, let me go bury my father. We'll come back to this in a minute. But he told him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first... Let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. This sounds sort of familiar to what Elijah's just done to you. But Elijah said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plough looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. There is always a reason to delay God's call, but none will satisfy Jesus. I mean, if there was good reasons to delay, these might have been up there, like burying my father, saying goodbye to my family. What did Elisha do differently to, to what Jesus talked about? I think it's, it's I mean, it's, it's very similar. These are two sort of competing ideas and you have to hold them in tension. But I think um, the way Elisha approached this was the heart or the essence of what Jesus was, was trying to get his followers to understand. In that Elisha honoured the past but didn't cling to it. In the passage we just read, Jesus seems to rebuke those who are wanting to bury their father or um, say goodbye to those at their house. And the context of Elisha going back to his parents and the man in the story of Jesus is, is slightly different. Elisha is going to honour his parents by kissing them and saying goodbye. But the person in Jesus' story is saying this word, let me first do this. Let me first do this. It was the intent of the heart that Jesus was after. And he was demonstrating that the motive of people, of people putting things other than him first, before him and his call. There is um, good reason to honour the past without putting it first. And that's what Elisha was doing. He was saying, you know, this is a chapter of my life that is closed. I'm going to honour it but it's not going to be first anymore. Whereas the people in the, the story that Jesus is involved in, is they're putting other things of the past still first in their life. They're like, first let me do this. I'm just going to hold on to this as long as I can. I'll come, but I'm just... It's, their heart was still attached. 
We have to honor the past by moving towards what God has for us, individually and as a church. Saying goodbye to things of the past is never easy, but it's required to follow where God intends. We can always honor the past by moving forward to what God has for us in the future. Elisha left behind. So Elijah on the past, but then he also left behind. Jesus' call on disciples resulted in a similar response, leaving what they knew to follow something else. Part of understanding and recognizing our call is knowing what to walk away from, as well as what to walk towards. In fact, I reckon it's probably often clearer what we are to walk from than what we are to walk to. I don't know if that's been true in my life, if it's, been, if it's true in your life too. Often there's things that God is just saying, just walk away from that. Walk away from that. And, and it's not always clear exactly what you walk towards, but you know that there's something that God is calling you to, to leave behind. Elisha didn't really know where he was headed, but he knew where he had to leave. He knew he had to leave the oxen behind. In fact, he burnt all the equipment and cooked up a barbecue for everyone to celebrate his, celebrate, commiserate, I'm not sure what the mood was at that party, to leave. There was no chance of him going back. That was a very symbolic thing of, of Elijah saying, you know what, I'm burning this, because, not because I hate it, but because I'm cutting ties with this. There's no way I can go back to this anymore. If the oxen are dead and the equipment's gone, if I come back, it's just a pile of ashes. I'm cutting ties with this. I'm, I'm moving forward and I'm doing go back. Leaving behind should be a one-time decision. There was no doubt in anyone's mind, including Elijah's, that he might return. When we leave something behind for God's call, it's important that we really leave it behind and don't keep something just in case as a security. Don't give yourself the option. Leave your sin behind and press on to Jesus' goal for your life. And then we get to Elijah. So this is a, a little bit of, a, of Elisha's story and the transition between Elijah and Elisha. And this is a series on Elijah after all, not Elisha. So and we can't talk about the final section of Elijah's life without understanding a little bit of Elisha and what is happening. There was a real critical role in Elijah, um, sorry, Elijah had a critical role in the calling and the ministry of Elijah in what was to come. Without Elijah, I don't know if we would see Elisha on the, on the scene. I'm not sure maybe God would have made a, a different way or, or done something else. But I'm not sure what what the story, how it would have gone. Maybe, maybe not. What is certain, though, is that God's purpose in Elijah's life had direct impact on Elisha's life. Elijah, after a life of miracles, grounded in prayer and following God's call, finds Elisha, it says. There is intent behind Elijah's action here. It wasn't like Elijah just goes, oh, I wonder what I should do with my life now. Now he goes and finds Elisha, puts his cloak on him intentionally, like you're, 
God's got a, a plan for your life and this is what it involves. There is intent behind Elijah's actions. Over the past maybe decade or two, maybe longer, the idea of mentoring has become big in churches or it's had a, a, a season of being sort of like a... a and, and, and beyond church, you know, in workplaces, in schools and throughout the community. Um, the idea of mentoring people has become big. And, the, and here, I think we see an, a, an example of mentoring. Elijah finding Elisha. Mentoring is simply, I think, anyway, in this idea is life on life. Conversation, observation, questioning, listening. It's something that we can all do. And I think it's something that we should all do. I think mentoring and discipleship are sort of like one and the same. If you like, Jesus mentored his disciples. He discipled his disciples. It's the same sort of idea in the Bible. Not necessarily in some official program. We could set up a mentoring program and try to do 12 steps of mentoring, but it's, it's, it's more than that. It's not a program. It's not something you do in just a 12-week period. It's something that you do ongoing. And so, maybe this morning the challenge for you is, who are you going to find? Who is the life that God wants you to invest in, to impact? We started the sermon talking about legacy and having an impact and having an influence. Maybe there is someone in your life that you know of, that you're, you know, oh, God wants me to invest into this relationship and you might not go up to someone and say hey I feel like God's calling me to mentor you because that might come across a bit condescending or a bit I've got some things that I need to teach you and you've got to listen to me but there is an opportunity to say I'd love to connect catch up whatever your language is make it real for you invite them into your world to learn together hear God obey him Part of our impact or legacy should be on the lives around us. So Elijah finds Elijah. Elisha follows Elijah. They all sound the same, don't they? And then if you know this story, if you've heard about this story, you might know, well, there's also the thing in two kings. What's, what's, what about the double portion? Doesn't Elisha get some sort of like double blessing? And so we'll have a quick look at that because I think that's maybe something that you're, you're thinking about, and then we'll finish. Elisha and the transition into Elisha's ministry continues, as I said, in 2 Kings, and it's here we find this famous double portion of Elisha's spirit being given, Elijah's spirit being given to Elisha. You can read 2 Kings, you can read mainly chapter 2, uh, there's, a, there's this sort of to and fro between Elijah and Elisha, where Elijah says to Elisha, stay here, Elisha, stay here, um, and Elisha says, nah, I'm coming. Elijah, stay here, I'm coming, stay here, I'm coming. Like three times, there's this, like, you better stay here, it's no good. And Elijah, no, no way, I'm coming, I'm following you. And then it gets to this point in 2 Kings, and let's read verse 17, 7 to 15, sorry. It says, 50 men from the sons of the prophets came and stood observing them at a distance while two of them stood by the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up and struck the water which parted to the left and the right. Sounds sort of familiar. We even just sang about that. They crossed over on dry ground, and when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elijah, 
tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken from you. So Elisha answered, please let me inherit two shares of your spirit. I mean, that would be a pretty encouraging thing for someone to ask. I don't know about you, but someone said, I want two shares of your spirit. I'm like, Ooh. I don't know, if, uh, maybe, uh, anyway, <clears throat> too many things I could say there, maybe it wouldn't be helpful. Elijah replied, you have asked for something difficult. If you see me taken, being taken from you, you will have it. If not, you won't. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire with horses of fire suddenly appeared and separated the two of them. Then Elijah went up into heaven in a whirlwind, and Elijah watched And he kept crying out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And when they could see him no longer, he took hold of his own clothes, tore them in two, (coughs) excuse me, picked up the mantle that had fallen off Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle Elijah had dropped and he struck the water. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He asked. He struck the water himself and it parted to the right and the left and Elisha crossed over. And when the sons of the prophet from Jericho were observing him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed down to the ground in front of him. I mean, there's a lot to take in here and we don't have time to to talk about it all. Two things I want just to point out. First is this, thinking about the mentoring idea, Elisha was persistent. Sometimes we think of mentoring as like, I wish someone would mentor me. You know, the idea of, being mentored and mentoring is two people and they both have responsibility to make it work. And Elisha took his responsibility. If you want to be mentored, you can. You can find people and say, you know what, I know you're telling me to go away, but I'm coming. I know you're telling me to go away, but I'm coming again. And the the best mentors that I've had in my life have been the ones that I have pursued. I've gone to them and said, hey, I know you're busy, but I want to catch up. I'm, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to your office. You tell me any time, any day, I'll be there. I'm going to, I'm going to work around your timetable, your schedule. I'm going to make it easy for you. Elisha could have had that, um, this story of, no one's mentoring me. Or, Elijah started out, but then he tried to get rid of me. He got too busy. But Elisha was persistent enough to say, I'm going to hang around and learn. I'm going to watch. Sometimes people won't ask or uh, invite themselves into your world to mentor and disciple you. But you can have the opportunity to go and find someone that you admire and look up to and say, hey, could we catch up? Could I spend some time with you? Could I take you out for lunch? And come um, prepared with good questions things that you want to know about them and their world, their life, things that you can learn from them. Don't rock up and say, hey, I want you to mentor me. Go. Because they're going to be like, well, what do you, you know, (laughs) it's a bit confusing. That's a funny way to have a conversation. But come with good questions and be ready to listen. Be a sponge and just, just take it in. Learn what you can. Anyway, so Elisha was persistent. But then the double portion the double portion. What does that mean for us today? I mean, is that something that God wants us to go around and say, well, I like what that guy's doing, or like that, that girl's doing, she's got a great ministry, maybe I'll go and ask for a double portion of her spirit. Is that, is that the point? I, I don't think so. 
let's just, I'm not going to beat around the bush, no. The double portion in this is really referring to um, the idea of an inheritance to the firstborn. And you can read about that in Deuteronomy 21. Elisha was um, basically asking, I want, to in- I want to be known as your successor. And he did, in fact, uh, receive a double portion of the Spirit in the sense that uh, you can count up Elijah's miracles to be seven and Elisha had 14 miracles. And so there was this sense that he had a double portion. But really, Elisha was asking, I want to be known as your successor or to come after you, to carry the spirit of your ministry. For us today, there, is, um, there really isn't this sense that some people have more of the spirit than others, that you could get double what someone else has. Because we live in New Testament times. And in New Testament times, it says, I mean, there's plenty of passages, but Colossians 2, for example, it says, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by Him, who is the head over every ruler and authority. For the believer, for the follower of Jesus, we have the fullness of the Spirit inside of us. The fullness. We don't have just a portion or a part. We have the fullness of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, we won't read it all, you read the whole chapter, but it talks about the ministry of the Old Testament and the New Testament compared to the ministry of the Spirit, sorry, and the times that we live in. And there was a limit to what the Old Testament prophets and believers could experience of God because the fullness of the Spirit hadn't been poured out and realized yet. But for us today, the good news is the Spirit of Elijah or Elijah was God's Spirit. It wasn't their spirit, it was the spirit of God inside them. And it's now no limits to it. There's no sort of portion of it being poured out, but it is fully poured out on all believers. And so you, as a follower of Jesus, are full of the spirit and able to use the fullness of that spirit for the ministry God has called you towards. And so... That, and that's really important when it comes to any ministry or anything we do with our life, is that we are full of the Spirit. And so the, the idea of the double portion, I think that's part of what it means for us today. And then Elijah, it says, is, is whipped away on a chariot, and I reckon that's a pretty good way to go. I mean, if you had got to choose how you got to go, that would be a good way, I reckon. And what do we remember about him? What is his impact on us? What is his legacy? I think there's, there's probably plenty of things that we might learn and the impact of his life and the legacy he's left through tearing down idols and um, trusting only in God and telling others to do the same, praying about the big things and the small things, living on the very words of God, his confidence in God in every situation amongst no matter how many people were in front of him. For Elisha, the impact was sudden and significant. He was found by Elijah, tapped on the shoulder and told, God is something significant for you to be a part of. I want to teach you what I can to get you there and show you how I depend on God. And if we think back to week one of the Elijah series, maybe this is part of Elijah's legacy as well. That Elijah was a man with incredible faith, but he was also a man with a message. His words weren't abundant, but he was a man of abundant faith, action and prayer. I think it was fair to say that Elijah's faith outweighed his words. His prayers outweighed his opinions. His action outweighed his judgments. 
And I reckon that's a good way for us to live as well. We also talked about this idea that Elijah lived with supernatural intervention on a regular basis. And if we can live without supernatural intervention, we will. But if we live in in a way that only God can move, he will. Elijah was a man who carried a message with his life and had an impact for the kingdom with his time on earth. It was intentional what he did with his time. So the question I want to leave us with this morning is what is your intentional kingdom impact? What's your goal for your time on earth? Maybe you could phrase that. What's God's goal for your time here on earth? And maybe that's a, I mean, that's a pretty big question to to think about and discern in a couple of minutes on a Sunday morning. But maybe you know that I know that God's calling me to be this kind of person or do this sort of thing. Maybe what's one thing you can do starting tomorrow to help you get you there? I think for Elijah, he had an idea of what God was calling him to do. But it was like this daily decision of, I'm going I'm to pray, I'm going to take time away to pray. And that was really the foundation of his ministry, was this time spent in prayer and hearing God's voice so he could deliver God's message. What's one thing you can do starting tomorrow to help you get to where God's calling you to go? So I'm going to invite the team to come back up and sing one last song. And during this last song, maybe you might let the words wash over you. But I want to encourage you to pray and ask God, God, what's, what are you calling my life towards? What do you want my impact to be on the people around me? Or maybe... Is there someone you want me to really invest some time into? To encourage and to love on? Let's stand together. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray this morning that your spirit might speak to us like your spirit spoke to Elijah. Telling him who to be, what to do, where to go. God, we don't want to live life on our own terms. We want to live life on your terms. We want to follow where you've called us to, who you've called us to be. God, we want to have a kingdom impact with our lives. So God, I pray that you would give us a really clear vision of where you're calling us to go, who you're calling us to become, what you're calling us to say to the people around us. God, I pray over these next days, weeks, months, that that clear vision of your future for our lives might be just in front of us we might be reminded of it by your spirit on a regular basis. God, maybe you'd help us to put words to it and share it with those around us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that as a church, we might be known as people that follow after your call. Become the people, the church that you've called us to be.
to have a kingdom impact on the people around us. God, we love you and we thank you that we are full of the Spirit. We have everything we need. You've done all you've needed to do. Poured out your grace abundantly on us so we can live for you. And God, I pray that we might just do that. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.